Welcome back to Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined by Colin Hosshill here on this final week of July as we are now back from Indianapolis, back from Big Ten Media Days, uh, just uh, six days away from the start of preseason camp for Ohio State football. So football season's finally here, Colin. We could taste it. We are back, and you know we are we're back from Big Ten Media Days as well, which gave us plenty to talk about. I mean, it's one of those things where we go to Indianapolis or Chicago, wherever it's held, and we look forward to seeing what we can learn. And there's always there's always plenty you can learn. Um, also, it's just good to just good to talk to some of the guys as well because you know it's one of those things where we talk a lot about Zach Harrison. It's cool to actually be able to talk to Zach Harrison and see the kind of changes he's made personally um, and, and the kind of different person that I think he is compared to, to when he got on campus. I just, you know, I, 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 I think that, that that trip is sort of the, you know, that kicks off the, 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 the lead up to the preseason, in my opinion. And good to talk to people in person, right? I mean, it had been so long. I mean, some of these guys, we, we've talked to them over Zoom, but it's literally been over a year since we had talked to any of these guys in person. So it's good to finally see them in person again. It is. It is. Um, I mean, I, I think that we should start off with some of the newsier items because there were several. It's one of, it, it's a funny thing where, you know, Ryan Day had his 15-minute press conference to start, which essentially is just a it's, – it's just a commercial for Ohio State on the Big Ten Network, I would say. Well, those those 15-minute press conferences rarely actually give you a ton of news. And then he went off to the side where he talked for approximately four minutes with a bunch of Ohio State reporters, and there were, there were about five pieces of news that came out of that one because it's actually just Ryan Day just talking to Ohio State with a bunch of people who cover the Buffets. All right, so what in your mind was you feel like was the biggest piece of news or biggest thing you learned from Big Ten Media Days? Huh. So there's not one that I'm like, well, this changes everything. Yeah, there wasn't anything that was like seismic, groundbreaking news. Yeah, there, there's compared yeah. to some past years is a good thing. <laughs> yes, there have been some where that's that is a problem for Ohio State. <laughs> um, I don't think that there was anything seismic, so I think that we should start off with that. Like, it wasn't the newsiest Big Ten media days of all time, but there were a couple things. I mean, Poly AI Nyotiote was that like a B minus, maybe? Yeah, at best. Yeah. All right, thank you. Paul EA Nioteote. I worked on Nioteote. I've heard worse. Yeah. Trust me, I've heard worse. <laughs> uh, I, I've tried working on that one. Um, Ryan Day actually talked about him, which was the very first time that he's talked about him to anybody publicly. Um, and I thought it was interesting that, you know, they're just sort of at the NCAA's mercy right now. And he did not make it sound like it was anything, you know, that there was anything afoot where – or, you know, the NCAA is treating Ohio State or treating him any differently. It just sounded like what he put it is eligibility issues. And, you know, maybe that's academic, maybe that's something else, but that's going to be sorted out here in the next few weeks. Um, and, you know, it would be great for Ohio State if, if it could actually, they could actually know if they're going to have one of their potential starting linebackers by the time that they break camp. Yeah, I mean, the word out there seems to be that it's an academic situation. I don't have all the details on that. But, you know, I think the thing that's important to clarify, because I think I'm still seeing a lot of misconception out there, but I think at some point it was written by somebody that this was a situation of he entered the transfer portal before the transfer, before the one-time transfer exception, and that's why 
he's not eligible to play. And based on what Ryan Day said, that's that's not the case here. This is this has nothing to do with when he entered the transfer portal. And it's not even I, I think it's important to clarify this isn't an immediate eligibility situation. It's an eligibility situation, you know, and that this isn't about, okay, sitting out a year. This is about him actually having to become eligible with the NCAA. So presumably if it's something that can be worked out, you know, once he's cleared by the NCAA, he'll be able to play for Ohio state, but it's not as simple as like, well, he could definitely play in January. It's, you know, that's why, you know, he's not on scholarship right now, which I think was, probably the most interesting part of what he said is that Nayo Teote is currently paying his own way. So uh, he's not on scholarship yet. Obviously the expectation would be that if he is granted eligibility, then he will be on scholarship. Ohio state still has a few open spots, so they could certainly put him on scholarship for the fall if he becomes eligible. But right now he is not right now. He is just an Ohio state student. Now he is able to partake in team activities. So that's the good news. I, I think the question now is, okay, we're a week away from fall camp and Ohio state doesn't have an answer. So if you don't have an answer next week, then you almost have to start fall camp with the assumption that you're not going to have him. And then if you get him, that's a nice bonus, but certainly if you're Ohio state, you'd love to have an answer here in the next week because you'd love for him to really be able to compete for a starting linebacker spot, but it's going to be hard to do that if you don't know whether he's going to be able to play. Yeah. Ryan Day was asked a time or two during the 60 minute session later in the day about linebacker. And I think the way that I would describe his answers is just not really concerned and not a lot of detail. Is that, is that how, is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I, I still don't really know what to think of this linebacker group because you know, you're, you're looking at a position where they're potentially adding two new guys who weren't expected to be a part of it in Nio Teote and Steel Chambers, who uh, Ryan Day said is, is, is cross-training at, at both positions. He's still running back. He's still listed as a running back on the roster right now. My read on that situation would be Ohio State would like him to move to linebacker but he doesn't necessarily want to move to linebacker. So they're going to kind of see what happens here over the next month and see if he wants to. I I don't know that for sure, but that's kind of a vibe I get in a situation. I mean, they wouldn't be cross-training him there if they really thought he was going to contribute at running back. So, uh, you know, to me, the fact that they're looking at, like, adding guys to that linebacker room does bring up questions in my mind of, like, okay, how do they feel about the, the guys they have as starters? But I also don't, you know, I don't get the vibe that like they're panicked. That's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those positions. I just don't know what to think about it right now, because I, to me, you know, I think they have plenty of guys who are talented and intriguing, but the problem is there's not one guy in that group, that I can go, man, I'm really confident. This guy is going to be a great player for Ohio state this year. There's several guys who I think, could be really good players for Ohio State this year, but there's nobody that I can feel like certain about. Yeah, if we want to, you know, one of the other storylines that was brought up that's, you know, has one player um, is is a linebacker, and it is that there are several guys who missed either the entirety of the spring or part of the spring who are going to be back, and that's Haskell Garrett, Seven Banks, Dallas Gant, Cameron Brown, 
Court Williams. And you also have guys like Master Teague and, and Julian Fleming as well um, who will be back in, in action by the time preseason camp begins, which I don't know if I'm surprised by all that, but but I part of me even is a little bit. Like I thought maybe one guy might be taking a little bit longer um, to, to get back, but I think that's really important because the guys I mentioned are some of the most important guys on the entire defense. I mean, you could argue Haskell Garrett uh, is the, the the best returning defensive player on the team. Seven Banks is the number one cornerback. Dallas Gantz, potential starting linebacker. Cameron Brown, potential starting cornerback. Court William, the, the most popular man on the defensive side of the ball at Big Ten Media Days. Those are a lot of impactful guys, and, and I don't think it should be understated that they're all back and they're all healthy, and they're going to get a full lead-up to the season, which if you talk to Kerry Combs throughout the offseason, you know, some of that, some of last season's inability to prepare, you know, it seemed like they thought had an impact on, on what Ohio State's defense looked like. And that certainly is not going to be any factor in, in how the, def- the defense looks this season. Yeah, that's really important because, you know, I think of all, I think any one of those guys you just named could play a huge role for Ohio State this year. And Haskell Garrett's a guy, I'm, you know, I'm not too concerned about him missing the spring because he played a lot and played great last year. So I think he's fine. But, you know, those other guys you mentioned, like, you know, those are guys I think it's going to be a really important preseason camp for. Like, even a Seven Banks, yeah, he played a lot last year. But this is a guy who everyone expects to be the number one corner on this team. So I, I think August is going to be really important for him to, you know, for, that him and for Ohio state to like, make sure he's ready for, for that role. Because I think he's got to be better than he was last year to be ready for that role. And then, you know, certainly the other guys you mentioned, you know, Dallas Gantz, a guy who could maybe be a starter at linebacker. So, you know, he's got to go out and have a good preseason camp. If he's going to do that, I mean, Cam Brown's a guy that's, it's really important because he's a guy that I think most people are still assuming is going to be a starting corner for this team, but he hasn't practiced since tearing his Achilles last fall and you know we've seen before you know we've seen it with guys like master teague and tough borland where you know they've been able to come back from a torn achilles the next year but they they maybe weren't a hundred percent so you know i I think it's very important that cam brown is a hundred percent if he's going to be that number two corner like he's a guy that they've got to have at full speed so i think august is going to be really important for him to see where he's at and then you know court williams is a guy that i don't know if they necessarily need court williams this year but it's just obvious the way Ryan Day talks about him that Ryan Day loves Court Williams. I mean, I, I know he, he said something along the lines of, if you ask the players on the team, I think most of them would say Court Williams is the hardest working guy on the team. This is also a guy who Ryan Day said after he signed him that he would be shocked if Court Williams wasn't a captain. So it, it, Court Williams is a guy that Ryan Day clearly uh, really, really likes. And that makes you think that, there's a definite chance that he could end up playing a substantial role on the defense this year if he has a good preseason camp. Yeah, let, let, let's take a side note there, actually, and, and you know we can get back to the news year stuff. But I, I do think, and I and I mentioned this before, I believe, um, on one of our podcasts about how I think Big Ten Media Days gives us an opportunity to maybe find out a guy whose stock is rising. Was there? I, I have a couple guys in mind, but who's one guy who you felt like just the way that they talked about? Like, yes, we haven't really seen him yet, and it's going to be interesting to see what they what we get a vibe on in preseason, and then what it looks like in the once the season starts. But who right now they're talking up in a way that has you rising, raising your expectations. Yeah, I mean, Court Williams definitely won. A couple others that come to mind for me: Harry Miller, 
of a way that Ryan Day and Thayer Munford were talking about him. You know, he's obviously a guy that didn't have a great first year as a starter, but just the way they talk about him makes me feel pretty certain that he's going to be a starter this year. I still don't know if it's going to be at center or left guard, but, you know, just the way they're talking about him, it's clear they expect him to be a leader on that interior offensive line and that they expect him uh, to play much better now that he has uh, more experience under his belt. And then another guy, Julian Fleming, the way that Ryan Day is talking about him, uh, you know, it, it, he he said something along the lines of, you know, he's he's working hard to have a very, very good season. And just the way that he's talking about him, I mean, we really didn't see him much this spring. We didn't see him much as a freshman. But, you know, the, the, the way Ryan Day is talking about him makes me think that they like what they're seeing this summer and that, you know, he's still a guy that definitely has a chance to uh, have a breakout year this year. Let's stick with Harry Miller for a second because that also caught my attention. Um, you know, Ryan Day said that he had surgery in the offseason, that his body's a lot better than what it was last season. Like, should we sort of expect what we thought we were going to see from Harry Miller last year? I think we, I think we should. I mean, I, I, I do. I, I think, uh, you know, the idea that, you know, he could be much better this year than he was last year, I think is very possible. And, you know, I, I wrote about this on Tuesday and, you know, one thing I wrote in, in there that, you know, I really think is true is that, you know, among Ohio State fans, if Harry Miller hadn't played last year, I think fans' expectations for Harry Miller would be higher than they are right now. Because I think there's a lot of fans out there that kind of don't want to see Harry Miller as a starter because they didn't like what they saw last year. And they think maybe a, a Luke Whipler or a Josh Fryer, somebody they haven't really seen play is going to be better. But the truth is the fact that he got those reps last year, even if they weren't great, they're probably going to help him this year. And last year, again, I mean, you mentioned it with a secondary. It was such a weird year. It was a really tough year for a guy who was a second year offensive lineman to be, to be thrust into the lineup. And, you know, it was so, you know, the season was so disjointed, you know, offensive line is a position where building chemistry is so important and they just didn't have the opportunity to do that the way that they typically would. So I think, you know, the possibility of Harry Miller being much better this year and really looking like the guy we expected him to be a year ago. Uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to just, uh, you know, hype him up blindly here, but I, I do think that if he has a great year this year, that wouldn't surprise me. And it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, we've, we've seen it before with offensive linemen, if where, you know, his first year wasn't that great, but, you know, that just kind of ends up being an anomaly by the time his Ohio State career is over. The other guy I would mention is a stock riser, and it's I, I'm a little surprised you didn't mention him because he would have been maybe my number one guy. And it's just because, like, I don't know that there's been a – ever since the college football playoff, his name just come up all the time, and that's Lathan Ransom. Ryan Day just continues to bring him up in a way that you only do if you're expecting Lathan Ransom to be awesome. Like, I – I don't want to set the bar too high, but he's he's bringing him up in a way that makes me think he's not going to come off the field very much. No, I agree with you. The only reason I didn't say him is because I already felt that before Big Ten Media Days because they were That's already fair. they were already talking about him that way this spring. But yeah, I I I really expect Lathan Ransom to be a starter and to be one of the top players in that secondary this year. Yeah, I, I, I think if you want to be bold, I think it's completely fair to, to have a bold prediction be Lathan Ransom going to be the best player on Ohio State's defense. Like, if you want to go crazy. That's bold. That is that's, bold. That's bold. <laughs> but the way, the way that they're talking about him makes me wonder, 
just how good he really is once he gets um, one, once he once he gets more opportunities because he came in last summer. He didn't get the full preseason. He obviously gets a weird lead up to the season with everything that happened last year. He didn't play a ton earlier in the year, and then he played late in the college football playoff. And he looked pretty good, and ever since then, his stock's just been shooting upward. And I think about him when I hear Ryan Day talk about how he feels like the past defense is in a much better place than it was at this point a year ago. Like he is the number one guy who I think about and say, they didn't have a guy like him last year. I don't think that they did. Um, and, and I wonder, and I wonder if he and court Williams and guys like that who are younger, who we haven't seen a lot are the reason why Ryan day seemed so optimistic when he was asked about the the defense and the past defense in particular. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they need guys, they need new guys to step up, you know, and they, and they can't, they can't be afraid to, you know, potentially, you know, play those guys over guys with more experience. If that's, what's going to make the past defense better, because it has to be a lot better than it was last year. Did you buy his confidence? <laughs> because yeah. I wrote, I wrote about his, I wrote about his confidence. Um, on one hand, I think that that he, he made comments that you sort of have to make and that he backed his defensive coordinator and Kerry Combs, who he essentially gave a de facto promotion to by not bringing on another defensive coordinator beside him. But also, he, he didn't have to go as far as he did. I mean, he's, he seemed very, very confident um, in the defense in a way that I don't think that I, that I think that I think was fairly telling. And, and obviously we're going to have to wait and see. I think the defense is the number one wait and see thing um, on this entire, on this entire team. Um, but I don't know. I, it was one of those things that, that I noticed and that I am interested to see wh- who exactly he's talking about, because yes, he's talking about the defense as a whole, but I'm sure there are a couple of guys who they've just been really impressed with. And, and I'm and based on his comments, you know, Lathan Ransom is one of them. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between being confident and actually doing it. So we'll have to see. I mean, yeah. we'll we'll talk in a few minutes about what Michigan people had to say, and I think that uh, falls along the same category. But uh, you know, certainly, you know, confidence is a good thing. Now you've got to go up there and do it. Do you want to talk about the Michigan guys right now? I mean, you brought it up. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Jim Harbaugh. I think one of the the quotes that really stood out to people was him on Thursday. He was asked about, you know, beating Ohio State and beating Michigan State and winning the Big Ten. And he said, quote, we're going to do it or die trying. And I think as soon as you tweeted that, Colin, you were immediately greeted with lots of replies of GIFs with, you know, the the GIF with the guys dancing with the coffin and people saying, start digging the grave right now. Yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, this is this is the Jim Harbaugh-iest thing I have ever heard come out of Jim Harbaugh's mouth. It was it was unbelievable and it was still perfect. I mean, this is why, this is why Ohio state fans love beating Jim Harbaugh because Jim Harbaugh would rather die than lose to Ohio state for the rest of his life. Even though there's a distinct possibility that that's going to happen. It it is. It is a distinct possibility that said, um, you know, you wrote about this last week too. It does feel like Michigan is attempting to take the rivalry a little bit more seriously. It does. It does. You know, I, what stood out to me was talking to the players and hearing Aiden Hutchinson and Josh Ross, a couple of players from their defense, really talk about, you know, how they're thinking about Ohio State every day. And, you know, I know we, we, we've seen the photos on social media of the sign in there that says, what are you doing to beat Ohio State today? And 
To me, that was in contrast to two years ago at Big Ten Media Days when I was asking the players very similar questions about their approach to beating Ohio State and the importance of that. And really all the answers then were, well, it's just one game. You know, we've got to, you know, we, we can't look too far ahead. We've got to focus on the whole season. We, you know, it's, it does us no good to beat Ohio State if we don't win the other games. So, you know, honestly, when I heard that a couple of years ago, I'm thinking like, eh, I don't really think that's what they should be saying because you look at Ohio State, Ohio State makes no bones about it. We think about Michigan 365 days a year. They do the team up north drill all year. And, and, and you know, the reality of this is, you know, ultimately results are what matter. If Ohio State was doing the team up north drill all year long and they were losing to Michigan every year, people would think it was corny as hell. And, you know, and if Michigan was saying, oh, we're, we're just focused on one day at a time and then they were beating Ohio State every year, then that would be the approach everyone wants them to take. But clearly what Ohio State's done has worked based on the results of that rivalry here in, in the past decade. So to me, to, to hear Michigan players put more emphasis on it, talk more about beating Ohio State and that being the most important game of the year, to me, if I was a Michigan fan, that's what I would want to hear because you know that that is the biggest monkey on their pack. I mean, they've got to beat Ohio State. Like that is the game that you know is supposed to be the biggest rivalry in college sports. And ever since Urban Meyer came to Columbus, it's just been so one-sided that that should be at the top of their list is trying to change that. Yeah, I, I was I wasn't super surprised about their answers, but I think that <laughs> I think it's the answers that if you're a Michigan fan, you should want. I mean, I, I don't remember if it was Brandon Bowen or Johnny Dixon, but but one of the former Ohio State players was on Twitter earlier this year. Um, I think it was I think it was when the Michigan sign in, in their weight room that says, what are you doing today to beat Ohio State or, or some variation of that. I think it was when that went viral, you know, one of them was saying, like, we sort of felt like <laughs> that they didn't even know it was a rivalry and they were just treating it like one another game. And if Ohio State players can tell that, uh, that's a problem for you. Um, so one way or another, I don't know if this translates to any wins. I mean, and yes, we. You, I think we. You, you made a good point that results dictate uh, some of the process sometimes. And, and the results in this case mean that the team that is focusing on the other team uh, 365 days a year is, is getting the victories. But, um, but I do think, and, and, and the talent gap obviously is only widening, but I, but I think this is the correct approach by Michigan. I just don't know. I don't know if it changes any future results. Yeah. I don't know that it does either, but I do think they're saying the right things. Yes. Which, uh, you know, points to them i guess you know who is not saying the right things tell me kevin warren Uh, kevin warren you know i I should have known better than to like be excited for a chance to ask kevin warren a question because the man spent 26 of his 45 minutes uh filibustering uh on thursday and then uh in the 19 minutes where people actually did get to ask or it probably wasn't even 19 minutes it was probably like 15 or whatever that people got to ask questions uh you know i didn't get called on i know there were other ohio state media members who had their hands raised that did not get called on uh most of the questions he were asked were uh pretty fluffy questions and the ones that he did get asked like hey what's what's the plan for covid this year he really didn't have an answer to so 
you know, we had talked last week about how maybe this could be an opportunity for Kevin Warren to start to rehabilitate his image with uh, fans a little bit. And I don't think that happened at all. And I mean, I think, you know, especially the, the last answer stood out where he was asked if he had any regrets. And he said he didn't have any regrets. And he said, quote, that he would make the same decisions that we made. That and, wasn't my favorite quote. Though. That, my favorite quote in that answer was, what, what really is the essence of regret? <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was a very Kevin Warren answer. What really is the F, F, essence of regret? But, I mean, I just heard that, and I'm like, really? Like, no regrets? Nothing at all you would do like, differently? Like sending the letter and saying, yes, we are 100% not going to have the season doubling down, and then actually having the season, like, maybe that was a regret. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, nothing. I mean, now, granted, there probably are things he actually would have done differently. And in his mind, he thinks the best way to answer his question is to say he has no regrets and yep. to defend his decisions. But like, to me, like every time this man speaks to the public, it's, I just sit there and I go like, he doesn't understand like his constituency here. Like he doesn't understand like how to make himself related to relatable to the big 10 fan base to, you know, football coaches and, and players. And maybe that doesn't matter, but it, it's just, you know, I, I think it comes in stark contrast, especially when, you know, you, you, you're, we're in a week and we're going to talk about this here shortly where, you know, the SEC is just uh, separating itself from the pack as the king of college football by uh, bringing in Texas and Oklahoma and then you see, you know, these really uninspiring answers to every question from Kevin Warren, and it just increases the perception that a lot of people have that the SEC is separating itself from the Big Ten and that the Big Ten isn't doing what it needs to do to keep up. Yeah, I think, you know, I think I made the point a while back, which is I don't necessarily know how much he needs to have the fans on their on, on his side, but he has to have some. He has to have some sort of a a plan, just generally, um, when he gets asked about something like COVID. Like it's the end of July. It's not. It's not some sort of crazy question to ask, and, and it's not crazy early to have a plan. Like you can give some sort of details, and I, and I think maybe more so than anything, it's just like. How, how are you, how does it still feel like he's behind? And I think some of the expansion stuff, I mean, we were certainly in the moment of it, um, just the thick of like processing what in the world, like Texas and Oklahoma are now going to the XEC that may like this came out of absolutely nowhere. So um, I do on one hand, like understand him not wanting to tip his hand about expansion stuff, uh, but not having any kind of plan about COVID trying to say that you have no regrets. They're just, I just feel like he's, they, there's, there's nothing gained by these answers. I mean, you can have some sort of transparency while also um, not saying everything. Before we dive more into that conference realignment topic, anything else from, you know, Indianapolis that, you know, think is worth talking about? Um, I think, gosh, what were Jeremy Ruckert's socks? They were, he had some great socks on and I completely. They had his, did they have his dog on them? Maybe. I, I don't really remember. They were blue. Uh, they they were great. So shout out to Jeremy Record Socks. Uh, Zach Harrison. <laughs> Zach Harrison 
said when I asked him about JTT, he said that maybe he would have taken his recruitment to July if he knew that that was an option. So <laughs> if anyone out there wants to uh, retroactively have a panic attack, just imagine what that would have looked like. Um, Thayer Munford is just great to talk to. I'll say that. Like Thayer Munford is just a fun, fun-loving guy who, you know, when, when someone came over and, and asked him about so someone was just going around and asking about food because apparently Joey Chestnut is from, from the area. Yeah. Um, and they were just asking questions about, you know, hot dog eating contests and whatnot. Thayer Munford, it turns out, likes to savor his food, doesn't like to uh doesn't like to speed eat. So I do Unlike not Unlike you. Yeah, I do not have that in common with him. Well, apparently I do have that in common with Josh Fryer, who he threw under the bus as potentially winning. I think uh, I think a wing eating contest is what Thayer went went with. So yes, these are the kind of interesting tidbits that you only get out of Big Ten Media Days. Zach Harrison also admitted that he does not love talking to reporters, which I think anyone who covers recruiting knows. Yeah, he said he, – someone asked him, like, why, why, why are you here? Like, you hated talking to reporters. Why are you here doing this? Could you imagine yourself doing this? He said, no, he couldn't have imagined. And then just, like, with a straight face, like, the reason he came, he just wanted great pictures and his suit. Like that's it, and and you know what, it worked. He's got some great pictures in his suit. Yeah, he was dressed sharp, but I I, I do got to give best dress to Michael Penix. His like black and white suit that he had, and then he had a chain that was literally a goat. So I, I had to give him best dressed. All right, doesn't get much better than that. I don't think I could have pulled that one off though. Just you describing it. We were asked by Meek uh, which teams players had the most fun, which ones were the most uptight. Was there any interaction between the players of different teams? I don't know. I don't really know how to answer the first two. Does any anyone stand out in your mind as like a team's players that were really having fun or really looked like they weren't having fun? Well, I did not. So Garrick Hodge is our recruiting reporter who went around and asked every single, all 42 players that were there, what their dream NIL deal would be. So he might actually be the guy to go to on this because uh, I mainly stuck to Ohio State players and coaches and then other Big Ten coaches. So I can talk about some of the other coaches, uh, but Dan, you might have had more experience with the players. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, the the Northwestern guys were really good to talk to, but I talked to uh, David Bell from Purdue was definitely uh, one of my favorite interviews that that I talked to. Um, You know, I don't know if there's necessarily one team that, like, stood out that, like, man, these guys are having a lot of fun or – you know, I, I definitely wouldn't say there was a team where like they just looked like they were absolutely miserable uh, to be there. And then, you know, in terms of the interaction between guys, it's kind of hard to say because, you know, we don't there's some stuff that goes on behind the scenes that we don't necessarily see. But, um, you know, I you know, I definitely saw some players walking by each other, greeting each other, you know, saying what's up. So I, I think there certainly was, um, you know, they didn't one difference this year from past years. Typically in the past, they've had like a kickoff luncheon banquet where all the players go to that. So typically there's a little more interaction there. This year they didn't have that because of, of COVID. And I, you know, I, the, the players, they, they didn't, you know, like in the past, they usually do like a photo with like all the players and all the coaches and they're all there on that one day. They didn't have that this year. Like the, the coaches, you know, the seven teams that were there Thursday, they were only there Thursday. Same thing with the seven that were there on Friday. And so I'm, you know, I think there was natural interactions as 
they were passing each other on the days they were there, but there wasn't like any one big gathering of everybody like there had been in the past. Yeah, I actually am remembering. I talked to some of the Minnesota guys, and one thing that did stand out is like when you think when we have our billionth conversation about Ohio State's quarterbacks, like what we're really talking about is 19-year-old CJ Stroud and 18-year-old Kyle McCord. And talking to Tanner Morgan is like talking to a 45-year-old man. <laughs> like that guy is polished, mature. He is an old soul. And he, and he looks he looks older, uh, mostly because he's bald. <laughs> yes, yes. Shout out to him for coming too. Um, his father had passed away, I believe, the week prior. Um, and he could not have been more professional. Um, and I, you know, I don't think anyone would have put a I don't think anyone would have said anything if he just didn't want to show up. Absolutely. But, I mean, that guy, it's understandable why PJ Fleck talks about him um being the kind of guy who you want to build everything around and the guy who you want holding the flag for your program. So um, that should be a fun season opener with Ohio state. But I, I, you know, one of the things I, I can't get out of my head is just like, they are an old team and Ohio state's going to be breaking in some young new guys. Absolutely. And I don't mean to make fun of his hair I and mean, I'm, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already going bald myself, but, but he, but he brought it up himself. I think when he was asked by Garrick about NIL, I believe he mentioned his bald head. So yes, uh, he, he, did. he was embracing it. Which, which, which I appreciated. Do you want, should we talk realignment stuff or do we want to hit on anything else from Big Ten Media Days? I think we can talk realignment stuff because I mean, that has been without a doubt the biggest topic in college football for the past week and could be the biggest topic in college football for quite some time because uh, obviously a huge domino of it dropped uh, while we were driving to Big Ten Media Days last Wednesday after we had recorded last week's episode that Texas and Oklahoma are headed to the SEC. And, you know, we could talk about that, but I think for our purposes, what we should really talk about is, you know, how does this impact Ohio State? How does this impact the Big Ten? And how does the Big Ten respond? Because we we were actually talking about this a lot uh, while we were driving to Indy. And the reality is, in my mind, there's really only one team out there. But if you're the Big Ten, if you are going to try to counter with your own expansion, there's really only one team out there that clearly demonstrably adds value to your conference. And that's Notre Dame. And I doubt Notre Dame is going to want to join the Big Ten. Yeah. So it's not Iowa State and it's not UCF. I mean, we we, we talked about Iowa State. I'm – I'm more on board with Iowa State than I know you are. I know you are definitely uh, opposed to the idea of Iowa State. I'm open to the idea of Iowa State. You're also probably more on board with the idea of Kansas than I would be, and that's probably because you're a basketball guy. But, you know, I, I really – I think you, you look at those other teams and every and everyone else – I mean, I think the one other – Somewhat intriguing option would be to try to raid the Pac-12, as I know Andy Staples from The Athletic wrote about this week. But I think the big consideration you have to make there is the impact on non-football sports. Because this possibility of you know football consolidating into these super conferences, mega conferences, whatever, whatever you want to call it, super league, whatever, I mean – I think it's possible. I think it's possible the sport is headed in that direction. I'm, I, I really don't buy the reports that 
the SEC is going to bring in Ohio State and Michigan and Clemson and Florida State. But the possibility that we could eventually get to a point where, you know, college football is, you know, doing its own thing and has its own super conference with the top teams, I think that's possible. But I don't think that works for other sports. I don't I don't think you want Rutgers volleyball going to play a regular season game at USC. So I think if you're going to start bringing in teams from the West Coast, you've got to then separate football from all the other sports because that would only add value in football. For other sports, it would cost you money because your travel costs would go up exponentially. All right, there, there are two conversations that we can have because one is, you know, we can play the conference realignment game from the Big Ten's perspective or we can talk about how this actually affects Ohio State. Because let me just pose this question to you just right now. Like, does does Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC and you can't say anything in between? Is it a positive or is it a negative? Just even if it's 0.01% positive or negative, is it a positive or is it a negative? It's tough. I mean, if you're going to make me go one, I'm going to go negative because I, I do think it increases the SEC's gap over everyone else. And, you know, the counter argument would of course be that, well, for playoff purposes, it's probably better for Ohio state uh, to be in a weaker conference, but you know, I don't know if that's going to matter as much once the playoff expands. And I also think from a recruiting perspective, I, I do think that sec cachet could help those schools in an area where Ohio state has had a lot of success with, you know, Ohio State's been getting a lot of the top guys in Texas, and I do think this could help Texas start to turn those tides a little bit. Now, granted, they have to win. I mean, if they if they go to the SEC and they're a six and six team every year, then it's not going to help for long. But I, I do think this gives a school like Texas a chance to you know kind of get the spark that it's been lacking for a bit, and and could give them some renewed momentum uh, on the recruiting trail, which. You know, for a school like Ohio State that's had as much success as anyone going into Texas and taking top players out of a Longhorn's backyard, I'm not sure that's a good thing. And that answer is basically like it's basically a neutral, but it's I can't say neutral. So I'll say negative because it might be harder to recruit Texas, which is sort of where I'm at, which is like it's interesting to watch from afar, but. I don't know exactly how much it's going to affect Ohio state. Like I think the, the way that it would affect Ohio state is if suddenly the big 10 just the dollars were not coming in in the same way that they are, but the dollars are going to come in. Like the, right. the money isn't going to be an issue for the big 10. And if the money's not an issue and the playoff, isn't going to be an issue for Ohio state. I just don't fully understand what would be the big deal for Ohio state. Like, I think, yes, they're there. You know, I think the sec is going to get an, um, an immense amount of, uh, of focus from national people um, because for obvious reasons, there's an incredible amount of brands in the SEC provided this goes through, um, which I think, yes, for from Ohio State perspective, maybe would suck a little bit if you're a fan of the team that in the conference that just doesn't get talked about as often. That said, if you're making just about as much money as the superpower SEC and you're also – darn near guaranteed a playoff berth every single year. I, it's hard for me to view this as like in a, in a major negative light, even if, yes, it doesn't seem like Kevin Warren is the single most prepared individual of all time to deal with this from the Big Ten's perspective. It feels like they're going to be okay. 
Um, and that, yes, it's, it's weird. And it does feel like people have talked about Texas potentially being a fit in the big 10. And now they go to the sec for a long time. Um, but Ohio, this is Ohio state's conference and Ohio state's the big dog. And if you're a big dog at a place that's making just about as much money as the superpower, like that's not a bad place to be. Well, that's the thing. Like there is, I, I want to say, first of all, I think it's, I think it's a vocal minority of the fan base that's like, Ohio State should go join the SEC too. I think the majority of Ohio State fans, I know, I think we had a poll on Monday on the site, and I think it was like 75% or whatever still wanted Ohio State to be in the Big Ten. So I think the majority of Ohio State fans want Ohio State to be in the Big Ten. They want Which is Ohio the State. correct opinion. Yeah. That's my vote too. Absolutely. Like Ohio State belongs in the Big Ten. Ohio State should be playing teams within its region in the, in the regular season. I, I mean, Again, if you could bring in a Notre Dame, I'd absolutely be in favor of it because I, I just think from a – not even from an Ohio State standpoint, I think from a overall sport and a general interest standpoint, I think bringing another team into the conference that could actually compete with Ohio State in the football field, I, I think that would be a positive for the sport. But I think for Ohio – Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's where there's two conversations, Big Ten versus Ohio State because I think that's a little bit different. No, I think, I think for Ohio State, I don't really – you know, I, I think in ter- I think in terms of Ohio State's ability to compete for national championships, I don't think this impacts Ohio State at all. I mean, I, 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 I because as long as Ohio State can keep dominating the Big Ten as it is structured, however it is structured, then o- Ohio State's going to keep making a playoff every year, and Ohio State's going to keep having you know a chance to win a national championship every year. And you could absolutely argue that it's an advantage for Ohio state in the sense that if you're Alabama, you're going to be playing a lot tougher schedule during the regular season than, uh, than Ohio state is because you've got better teams in your conference. I mean, I, I think the one thing, uh, you know, I, it does, if you're a big 10 fan is, you know, I, I know big 10 fans in, in recent years, a lot of them have been reluctant to accept the reality that the sec is the best conference in, in college football. There's no question about it anymore. The SEC is the best conference in college football. It is, it is without a doubt going to be the best conference in college football when you add Texas and Oklahoma into the mix, unless the Big Ten can, or one of these other conferences can somehow do something crazy. You know, Big Ten brings in Clemson or something, does something crazy. That's the only way you're really going to be able to counter it. But I, I agree with your point, but I think in terms of o- Ohio State, I don't think it really matters. Like, I don't, I don't think there's any reason for Ohio State fans to be panicked about how this affects Ohio State because the Big Ten has a very lucrative TV deal. It's going to continue to bring in lots of money. You know, uh, uh, this, isn't, this isn't going to hurt Ohio State's chances of making the college football playoff. And, you know, that's why, you know, if you're the Big Ten with the money you're bringing in, there's no need to expand just to expand. You know, again, like, if you can convince Notre Dame to join the Big Ten, you should do it. But outside of that, I think any other move to expand, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not opposed to the Big Ten exploring expansion options, but I don't think they need to rush into it. I don't think they need to do it just to do it, just because the SEC is doing it. Because I think, let's say you're Oklahoma State right now, like, yeah, you should be worried because, like, your conference might fall apart. But the Big Ten's not going anywhere. I mean, the Big, the big Ten – is still the clear-cut number two conference here in, in terms of where it stands in college football. So the Big Ten's not going anywhere. The Big Ten is not in jeopardy 
of falling apart. And so I think Ohio State is is in a spot that's just fine. But boy, the SEC is going to be interesting. You want to talk about like the the, the Big Ten? I, I do think. You know, I just wonder what adding an Iowa State, a Cincinnati, a UCF, a Kansas would really do for the conference. I mean, I think from Ohio State perspective, like Cincinnati fans now might not might not like to hear it, but I, if I were Ohio State, I wouldn't want Cincinnati in the conference because then you're no. just you're building up a an Ohio team that again <laughs> recruiting, recruiting. Yes. Like you know, I mean. Cincinnati was never going to get CJ Hicks like some people thought, but if they become a Big Ten team, maybe they start getting those guys. And that's where I do wonder if you're Ohio State, like West Coast expansion would be fascinating uh, because that is one way for the Big Ten to make even more money. And it's one way for Ohio State to potentially be even better when you say, hey, LA kid, uh, we're going to play USC and we're going to play Oregon this year. And, yeah, and they're already I, recruiting pretty well in the West Coast, so that would only help. Yeah, and I and I don't know. I mean, that's one of those things where it's just hard to know how this thing's going to play out. But if you're Ohio State, I can see the benefit there. Like that's one of those where a, a lot of these I just wonder, like, why if I'm Ohio State, do I want them to expand? Why even Notre Dame? Like, you know, me personally as just a football fan, like Notre Dame in the Big Ten sounds awesome. Um, if I'm Ohio State. And I'm the big boy of the Big Ten. I don't. I think there are more things to consider there. Um, that said, you'd make a lot more money if, if Notre Dame was in the Big Ten as well. That's where I just wonder if if, if rating the Pac-12 a little bit uh, is a little bit enticing for for Ohio State. Now for the Big Ten, you know, I think it'll be fascinating to see what Kevin Warren does. I mean, this is <laughs> it, decisions don't get much bigger than this. This I mean, is another test. About- I mean, Kevin Warren had a big test last year. A lot of people thought he failed it. Now this this is your next big test as commissioner. You've got to, once again, you've got to get this right. This is another defining moment for Kevin Warren in big, as Big Ten commissioner is how do you handle what could come down the pipe here? It's important to, if you're Kevin Warren, to predict what's happening. Like what's, what's going to happen in 10 years? What's this thing going to look like in 10 years? Because that's what you're really going to talk about. I mean, people talk about potentially not being over the NCAA, not being involved at all in college football. People talking about super conferences. Like, is that, is that 20 team conferences? Is that four different, con- like what, what are those super conferences? These are the questions that Kevin Warren has to nail. Like Kevin Warren has to know the answer to these questions. We ask them, we try to project, we're talking out of our butts a lot of the time because these are these are questions that only a few people in the college sports landscape can answer. Kevin Warren has to answer them, and he has to answer them correctly. And that's the part where I do wonder that's that's a concerning part if you're a Big Ten fan. Maybe not an Ohio State fan because I think Ohio State's in a good spot right now. But if you want the Big Ten to be what, the, the best position conference in 15 years, I think – having Kevin Warren be the commissioner right now is at least a little bit concerning. Well, yeah, I think the good news if you're Ohio is, you know, you're not going to get left behind if you're Ohio state, you you are arguably the biggest brand in the sport. I mean, right up there with Alabama and Texas and, and Notre Dame schools like that. If you're, if you're Ohio state, no matter what happens, you are going to remain at the forefront of a college football conversation. You know, if you are, you know, Indiana or whoever, and you see, oh, Ohio State could go join the SEC, you're thinking, well, you better hope that's not true. You know, you better hope that there's not going to be some super league that Ohio State and Michigan are going to join and leave the rest of the Big Ten behind because 
that would be very bad for the rest of the Big Ten. Again, you know, I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, you never know. I mean, again, what, what this thing could look like in 10 years, I think you're right. That's the whole question. So, you know, really, I think one of the biggest priorities here, if you're Kevin Warren, is you better make sure Ohio State's happy. You, you better make sure Ohio State's happy because that that is the biggest moneymaker in your conference, especially from a college football perspective. And so you better make sure that Ohio State's happy because Ohio State is going to dictate a lot of things in terms of the health of the Big Ten going forward. And Ohio State does seem happy. Like this isn't this isn't a conference like the Big 12 where you're just wondering, like, are they going to stay together? Like the question with the Big Ten is always, who are they going to add? Who are they going to add? Not are they going to lose somebody? And that's a that is an enviable place to be as a conference. Now, you mentioned, like, what does Ohio State want? Like. I do think Ohio State, especially Gene Smith, since he's been around, is going to have a lot of power in this. And also, like we were talking about, I think it doesn't really help Ohio State to add some of these lower-level teams. And that's why I don't really think that that's the route that the Big Ten's going to go because I just – like the the benefit of that to me is pretty small. We were asked by AC Buckeye, he said, how much do you think the Fox network will influence the Big Ten's decisions on what to do in response to Texas and Oklahoma? Also asked, do you think the Big Ten will look toward the Pac-12 for additions? We already kind of addressed the second one, but in reference to the first one, I mean, yeah, Fox is going to have a big say in this. Uh, You know, whatever they might want to do in the future in terms of TV is going to have a huge say in this. Because that, I mean, that that is the biggest reason why you would add teams is because it's going to increase the television value of your your college football rights. So that's the biggest reason why you would add teams. Again, I think it goes back to the conversation. If you add Notre Dame, yeah, that's going to bring in TV dollars. Iowa State. Probably not going to change anything there. And also, didn't take long before when the SEC and Oklahoma stories were reported to have people say, yes, ESPN has played a massive hand in this. So, yes, yeah. if no matter what the Big Ten does, Fox will be at that table. Ginnon Juice asked, Mega or Super Conference, what would work best in your professional opinions? I, great question. I, I tried to get him to clarify the question. He didn't really do so. So you can take a stab at it, Colin. <laughs> Well, isn't it, isn't it simple? Like, what's the better name? I guess. Well, I mean, mega conference sounds great, but if I'm going to mega conference, like I'm sort of thinking thirty team, and I think a super conference, you can have a twenty team league that's really really good. Like, I think a mega conference. Now we're just like we're like the the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference and professional sports leagues. Like. That's what I view of as a mega conference. I think a super conference, you can have a 20-team super conference, maybe even a 16-team super conference. Am I – is this a fair assessment, Dan? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like I you're mean, trying to think of this analytically rather than – Yeah, I'm like – yeah, I'm like, I don't – yeah, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't I, – I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, I, I just know that – I'm just curious to see where this all leads if, if you know, it ends up – if we if we ever do get to the point of having a 20 team conference, a 30 team conference. I mean, I don't really think we're ever going to get to a 30 team conference, but it's possible. I mean, I also, you know, I also think it's interesting that now this is happening at the same time as playoff expansion, because if, if we get to the point of there being less power conferences, then there becomes less of a need for playoff expansion because then 
more of it can play out within the conference. So I'm just going to be fascinated to see how this all plays out. Super conferences. That's where we're calling them. SEC, super conference. Yeah, super conference sounds better to me. Me Mega conference sounds like too transformer-ish to me. When we hit hit 25, it's a mega conference. It's my official opinion. (laughs) Okay, okay. Big Drill also asked, with all the realignment talk, what impact slash influence will non-football coaches slash staffs have with Gene Smith and the decision makers? All the talk is about football, and rightfully so, but baseball, wrestling, track, et cetera, will, will obviously be affected. You know, but I think that, you know, that's to me where it's like, you know, that's why you'd have to really think about like, okay, if we're going to get involved with the Pac-12 here, like I think that's where you'd really have to consider that because it would, you know, without a doubt, uh, increase your expenses in terms of sports that aren't generating revenue. So, you know, I, I think you have to consider it from that point with that being said, football is driving these conversations here. These fair or not, these conversations about conference realignment are not about what's best for the baseball team or about what's best for, you know, the wrestling team, you know, some, you know, some of these sports, like, like women's hockey, I know, for example, like they're not even in the big 10, like they have their own thing. So I think, you know, certainly I think if conference realignment gets to a point of where there is more super conferences and whatnot, then I think the likelihood of other sports uh, doing different things becomes more likely. But in terms of these conversations at the highest level, they're about football. I mean, and, and maybe they're a little bit about men's basketball, but for the most part, they are about football because football is what is generating the vast majority of the team TV money. And that's what drives this. What's the second, what, what, what sport at Dan at Ohio state brings in the second most revenue? You said what sport brings in the second most revenue? Yeah. Men's basketball. Yes. And Chris Holtman today on Tuesday at a press conference where he was essentially asked about realignment. And it's like just laughing at the idea that he would have any, any kind of impact at all on on these discussions like this is the second this is the second most re, the, the second biggest sport at ohio state which has 36 sports and you're asking like maybe with the 26th biggest sport would have an impact like i i would love for that to be the case like i know that there are athletes and coaches that put their heart and soul into some of these sports that just don't generate a lot of revenue but they're not going to be at the table like their opinions will be heard in that they're going to figure out how to keep the sports running but they're not going to dictate any kind of realignment decisions or discussions. Yeah. I laughed when I heard that question too. Cause it's like, yeah, I mean, I mean, Chris Holtman, uh, yeah, Chris Holtman is a realist. He knows that, yeah, he, he's not going to have, he's not going to have much influence. The, the, the only, the only coach at Ohio state who might have any influence on, on any of this is Ryan Day. Yeah. And even then it's just, like even that what, is what he very, says, very yeah, minuscule. It's, it's what he says to Gene Smith who then says things to Kevin Warren. So yes, his depend his opinion is already diluted. So, and even when Ryan day was asked about it, like you could tell, like his mind's kind of blown by all everything that's happening all at once. But you know, I, I didn't get the impression that like he's been involved in a lot of, a lot of talks about this stuff. All right. Speaking of Chris Holtman basketball team, recruiting pretty well, huh? Yeah. They landed another top 50 overall prospect this week. Felix Akpara, a center uh, from Tennessee. I believe, I believe he's originally from Nigeria. Is that correct, Colin? 
That is correct. That and is correct. Six six eleven, two hundred fifteen pound center. Basically, what you should know if you didn't read the articles, hopefully you did. He is a he is a I would call him a defense first shot blocking center. Who I think when people hear this, so like I'll I'll just be honest, like when people hear defense first shot blocking center from Africa, people immediately think of Ibrahim Diallo. And I'll just say this: like I was talking to someone within the basketball program, and I mentioned like. Yeah, like maybe this was the idea about bringing Diallo. And they're like, uh, if you're going to compare him to Diallo, like it's just a different – it's it's different. Like it's, it's not a worthwhile comparison. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's ranked in the top 50 versus a guy who I think was ranked outside the top 350. So yes. uh, Akpara is a significantly better prospect than Diallo was coming out of high school. And he's an important get. I mean, they needed a center desperately in this class – just like they needed a center desperately in the prior class and, and they didn't get one. Um, and they ended up going with the grad transfer route with, uh, with Joey Brunk. And I think part of what's going to save Ohio state in that realm is that they got Zed key who looks like a big home run for a three-star recruit. Um, and I think that that's that, that get was really important in retrospect. But when you look forward and you think about Ohio state as eight seniors, plus EJ Liddell, who's as good as gone after next season, um, they are going to need to re- replenish the entire front court, which essentially will be Zed Key, Kalen Etzler coming off a red shirt, and then nobody. Um, and that's where Felix comes in. And that's where, yes, they're certainly going to need to get hit the transfer market um, for whether it be a Ford, whether it be a big, whether it be both, uh, whether it be a wing, somebody um, next offseason. Because the, 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 the way that departures line up, um, there's gonna there's gonna be a lot of turnover, and that's what made getting getting Okpara so important. And they could potentially have another year of Justice suing because he still has that extra year of eligibility. They could, but that would be his sixth season. I think maybe it would be more likely if Justin Orange used his fifth year. But like those are conversations that'll be had in seven months. The 2022 class it is loaded though. This class is ranked number one in the country. Ohio State right now number one in the country in both football and basketball for the class of 2022. So that's certainly a great position to be in for the Ohio State Athletic Department. And you know, you look at this class, three top 50 prospects right now with Akpara, Bruce Fornton, Roddy Gale. Uh, they also have Bowen Hardman. Still looking to add one more, trying to add a wing to the mix to round out this class. But you, know, you look at what you know Holtman is doing. I mean, this is the kind of class that he needs to you know build – this program, you know, into the championship contender that people want it to be. And, you know, just looking at this class, you know more about these guys than I do, but, you know, it it looks like a really good mix that he's building here in this class where all these pieces seem to fit together really well, where theoretically, you know, you could have a lineup with all these guys on the floor at the same time. The the, the thing that I like about Ohio State's recruiting right now is it's just, to me, this is how Ohio State should be recruiting. Um, And I think this is about, like, this is real. Like, I don't want to overstate this because I think that in this world, it's a little bit hard to talk about recruiting in basketball because, I mean, 40% of players last year transferred. I mean, that's that's just how that's how it is in college basketball. Uh, transfers are going to happen. So talking about these guys down the line and trying to make projections is difficult. But if you're Ohio State, to me, this is sort of how – this is almost exactly how you should be recruiting, which is – you have some of the Ohio guys like a Kalen Etzler, 
uh, a Bowen Hardman who are sort of these developmental guys. You have the Ohio guys like Malachi Branham, like Michi Johnson, who are high-end guys who fit the culture that you're trying to build and are really, really talented. And then you supplement them with these top 50 out-of-state guys like Gail, Thornton, uh, Okpara. Um, that, to me, is how you have success at Ohio State. And I think that this is this is just about exactly what Chris Holtman could and should want. Some Ohio State fans wanted Chris Holtman to be fired after the NCAA tournament loss to Ohio State. If you ask me, I think putting together the number one recruiting class of 2022 makes that look pretty silly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it, it's just a ridiculous thing to to relive. It, it was it was dumb at the time, and it's still dumb in in late July. I mean, as we sit here today, like we're recording this at 5:10 p.m. on Tuesday, there 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 is going to be another commitment coming this week, um, and it's going to be someone who's really good, not a five star, but who's really good and is going to make this number one class in the country even better. And I think, yeah, I, I just think that that was ridiculously short-sighted that some people were having that conversation. And I do think that this should and, and will have people get a little bit more confident in the talent that Chris Holman's accumulating. We were asked a few additional questions. We, we were asked about the secondary, whether it would be uh, improved. I think we both agreed based on how we were talking earlier that we are expecting improvement, whether it will be uh, incrementally or uh, significantly improved. I don't know that. Uh, I don't. I don't know that I'm feel strongly one way or the other on that. I, I'd probably lean more towards incremental than than significant. How about you? Yeah. Shout out Silver Sniper. Great question asker. Um, I yeah. I mean, I would go incre- I would go incrementally, but I'm closer to significantly improved than the same because I just feel like they're going to be better. Part of that is because how am I going to say they're going to be the same or worse? Like if I say that, I might yeah. as well just them to have a bad season. <laughs> yeah, if we, if we said they were going to be worse, uh, man, I mean, as as bad as they were last year, man, if they if they were yeah. worse this year, that would be as well as have Kerry Combs turn in his papers. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, there really isn't much to go to go but up. Uh, so I, I I I am confident they will be better. How much better? I don't know, but I'm super confident in that yet but uh we will see uh we were also asked what team presents the biggest challenge for the Buckeyes heading into the season I think we can talk more about that as uh we get into August is there anyone who you you want to say off the top of your head I mean we sort of had this conversation before and it hasn't really changed I mean to me it's Oregon it's Indiana then it's Minnesota, and then it's Penn State, and like those are my four, and, those, and that's the order. Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm pretty much right there with you. You know, you, I think, you know, I've said before, I, I'm really high on what Indiana's doing right now. I mean, I think they've got a lot of momentum right now, and so I do think that, you know, they're the team that I circle as a, a Big Ten team that I think could challenge uh, Ohio State this year. But, you know, at the same time, I also think most likely the toughest challenge for Ohio State is going to be uh, Alabama and Clemson in the college football playoff, uh, much like it has been for the past couple of years. But I do think in a regular season, Oregon and Indiana are the two teams that stand out to me the most. The last question we were asked this week by Daniel, will either of you buy a Luke Whipler hoodie? And uh, if you haven't seen that, uh, Luke Whipler and his NIL agency uh, very creatively uh, James Yoder, who some of you may know is a uh, Michigan media member, he t- t- sent a tweet that 
Uh, Ohio State fans would not buy a $50 hoodie uh, from Luke Whipler. So he decided to sell a $50 hoodie with that tweet on it. And last I saw, uh, more than 100 of those hoodies had already been sold. So uh, good for you, Luke Whipler, uh, for monetizing that tweet. I'm not going to buy one because of the stance that uh, I'm not going to buy NIL products from any Ohio State athletes for ethical reasons. I, I don't think that uh, it's ethical for me to be buying products uh, from athletes that I cover, but I wish Luke all the success uh, with that very creative endeavor. I thought it was great. The one thing that I would say is like, I will never wear James Yoder's face or name on any hoodie <laughs> because calling him a Michigan media member does a disservice to all the Michigan media members. I wasn't there. sure exactly what to call him. I mean, he's the guy who Jim Harbaugh released a statement about and being like, nobody talks to this guy. Like, please ignore this guy. Like when, when a school is putting that out about someone, like you gotta not be a great human being. No disrespect intended to the many uh, ethical members who are actually on uh, the Michigan uh, beat. <laughs> but I think we can wrap it up on that note. Next week, fall camp starting on Tuesday. That's one of the other things we learned uh, in Indianapolis. So hopefully we will get to be there and we'll be back next week to uh, talk about everything we learned with the start of fall camp and continue looking ahead to the 2021 football season, which is just over a month away at this point. So we're getting excited. I know you guys are too, and we'll be back next week to talk about it a little more.